0: I'm excited about today because this is one of my favorite topics. Hello everyone, welcome back to Sundays with Sundima podcast. These are father-daughter conversations about self, family, faith, fatherhood, football, wisdom, and all the things that make up a life, specifically my dad's. My name is Juliet and my father's name is Thomas Sundayma Simbo. As I mentioned, today we are talking about one of my favorite topics and something I am so passionate about. It is the bedrock of the work that I do, and I believe my purpose. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out our other episodes about self, family, and faith. And as always, everyone, please welcome my dad.
1: Hello everyone, Tom Simbo here.
0: Thanks daddy. So before we begin, um, I want to start with a prayer. Spirit of the living God, we say thank you. Thank you for being the source of all knowledge lord in your wisdom and your love you surround us with the mysteries of the universe and you give us the ability and the gift to discover we pray for students and learners all around the world Mm -hmm. send us your spirit and fill us with your wisdom and blessings bless the individuals that are equipping us and guiding us through our journey of learning and discovering bless our discussion today and continue to draw us ever closer to you the source of all knowledge, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Daddy, education is something that is so close and dear to my heart, and I believe that to be educated is to be free, because the more we learn, the more we grow. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that this is the absence of challenges, but it's a tool in our toolbox. Greek philosopher Aristotle puts it this way. He says, education is an ornament in prosperity and a refuge in adversity. So the other day, you and I were discussing the world's yearly education agenda set by the United Nations in the Sustainable Development Goals. Leaders from all around the world gathered to discuss and set audacious goals and call for actions by all countries. Somehow education is always one, but we never seem to reach the goal of ensuring that everyone has access to basic education. It's apparent that progress towards access and quality education is slower than required. And crises in different parts of the world and the recent COVID-19 pandemic continue to exacerbate this problem, especially for those living in third world countries like that of our own Sierra Leone. You and I have experienced a pause or a shutdown in learning during the rebel war in Sierra Leone. And as you mentioned in previous episode, your learning was disrupted during your studies in Liberia. Today, almost 60 million children, which is about 34 million of them living in sub-Saharan Africa of primary school age are out of school, meaning that they don't even have the chance to learn how to read and write. It's quite alarming considering how advanced our world has gotten. So in your opinion, why is education a yearly agenda?
1: Well, it's supposed to be an educated society of people lead to more accurate health beliefs and knowledge and better lifestyle choices. Uh, Also better skills and greater self-advocacy. The more people are educated, the less they become vulnerable to child trafficking, Mm. to bad choices, I mean, there's some places in the world where the people, by just natural instinct, know what food to eat and what not to eat, but in many areas of our world, particularly developed areas, Mm -hmm. the lesser people are educated, the more they're prone to make bad choices for their health. And uh, So it is important. Education also is important for any government or any country because it frees people. Mm-hmm. It gives them the liberty to advance and uh, it also helps the economy of that country to grow. Okay. I mean look at Africa, look at Sierra Leone. You go outside of Freetown, very few people are educated. Mm-hmm. And those people, because they are less educated, don't worry about policy, they don't <laughs> worry about if they have good health care. No. All they worry about is go to the farm, eat, work, come back home, sleep, next morning, repeat Do it again. yeah. yeah. They, they are not worried. you know Here in Australia, where we are, <clears throat> if the lights go off, people rise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Why do we rise? Because we know it is our right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We
1: we fight for it. In America, it is the same thing. You find out in low income communities, they don't rise up. They just said, "Okay, tomorrow may be better." Yeah. So it is important. I mean, I the other day I was telling you when I was growing up, after high school, United Nations and all these countries said. uh, lofty goal of education for all in the year 2000. Well, you know, in the 70s, 2000 was way 30 years. It
0: seemed like so far yeah, away. Yeah,
1: way far. But then as we got to 2000,
0: we're still behind. And still, 60 million children today. Yeah, we're 20, still behind. Yeah, We're still behind. But
1: we need to work. We need to work hard.
0: Who do you think is responsible? Who do you believe is responsible to ensure? I mean, I get it. These countries all come together and they leave with these long documents and these action points for countries and leaders to take on. But who is responsible to ensure children are educated?
1: Well, in the first place, the primary responsibility rests on the parents. Mm-hmm. Those who bring children to this world, uh, by God's power and own ordeal, they are the first teachers yep. of those children. I agree. They should be able to help their children. And for me, one of the things I'm grateful for is the dad who was head of our family. He didn't provide us with riches, but he ensured that every one of his 27 children stepped their feet at the door of a school. Now, the effort to (laughs) learn and continue rested on us. Game, Even yeah. though it was under hard circumstances. Mm-hmm. But the parents, number one. Yeah. The second people are the government to provide adequate resources mm. in, uh, in the environment, a safer environment where the child can leave home, walk, or ride a bus or the train, or the parents take them to go to school, learn, and come back, yeah. Yeah. you know, safely. So the government needs to provide those environments, the resources, you know, the wherewithal. I mean, build better schools for people in low-income areas Mm -hmm. and and pay the teachers and the support workers in those areas. So the parents, the government, and the community also. Mm. You know, in Sierra Leone, uh, as one of the countries where community is very important, uh, the community provides that feeling of belongingness, but feeling of self-awareness and importance.
0: Yeah.
1: If the community within the village thinks our children need to go to school, they take up the idea of building the school, yes. providing yes. the house, and ask the government, give us the teachers, mm-hmm. give us the resources. So the parents, the government, and the, the community, community and of course, the teachers. Yeah. Great men and women over the centuries have shaped people's lives. Mm-hmm. I am still grateful for the man who taught me in classes 3, 4, and 5, Mr. J.B. Kamanda. Yes. yes. I will not forget <laughs> Mr. Kamanda. If I could write Mende and speak it fluently today, I give it's the credit to me. the late Mr. Kamanda. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, and it becomes a collective <clears throat> effort, which mm-hmm. makes sense why all these countries come together but like you said the resources are not equal everywhere Mm, it's not allocated equal Mm -hmm. um so but you you mentioned your dad and growing up in a large family and you've expressed that he made sure that all of you 27 of you went to school Mm -hmm. and he provided that um, the least he could do but he also encouraged you at home Mm. to take up reading to take up so schooling was not just you didn't just learn just in school. After yeah. you got out of school, he made sure he encouraged learning even at home. And you were talking about the parents, the school, the communities, but it's a collective effort. It is. It yeah. really is. All hands on deck, Absolutely. they say. Absolutely. Yeah. So at what age did you attend school, and where did you begin?
1: I started school in class, uh, age five. Oh, wow. Class one in Jama EUB Elementary School. Nice. That's nice. where I started. Nice. Yeah. Is it still there? The school is there, not the building. Okay. The, the building the is, is not. I think the rebel crisis destroyed yeah. the building. But the school is still there. It's still called Ebenezer Primary School. So they now call it UMC. But that's where I started. And then I went to Connaught to my uncle Bernard D'Ambo and attended St. Patrick Roman Catholic Primary School. So I attended there for three years. And then I came back to Njama. And
0: uh finished primary finished school.
1: primary school. okay yes.
0: And then where did you go to secondary school?
1: Tayama secondary school, TSS named uh, my own initials <laughs> yeah but uh, Tayama secondary school was a United Methodist uh, school founded in 1964 uh, October 11 I believe I was there. from one to from five the first one semester I was uh, living with somebody at home Uh and then second term I went to the boarding home and stayed in the boarding home until I left Taiyama.
0: Wow and then afterwards you graduated and went to college? Uh,
1: No I went to technical institute Mm -hmm. yeah my dad had you see again this is the thing about my dad he had a typewriter at home and when we come for holidays he, will, he had a book, the ty- all typewriting lesson <laughs> book, and we started. Every one of us, the men, and we thought, wow, oh, this is a women's job, because <laughs> back in Sierra Leone then, nobody women. employed a man clerk typist, it was just women. So our dad provided that book and put his Imperial 66 typewriter on the table, and we'll go through lessons.
0: Wow. So, and he taught you guys. Yeah,
1: he taught us. So you go A, B, A, S, D, F, semicolon. L, oh, K, wow. J, semicolon. <laughs> and we did that, and then he would test us over the week. When he comes, he was testing not just our skills, but the speed. Wow. So that encouraged me after high school. I didn't have a job. And so he said, Why don't you go to the evening session of the institute, technical institute? So I went through one year. And then uh, I sat the internal examination, so I got a CLAP typist certificate. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That typewriting skill helped me when I went to college, the Seruline Bible College. I typed my term papers. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when I went to Liberia to study, I will get paid by students to help them type their Ooh, papers.
0: look at that, yeah. look at yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: so thank God for J.B. Yes. Simbo. Yeah. Yes,
0: I mean, J.B. Simbo must have been an educated man yeah. himself. Yeah, where well,
1: he was a teacher. To, yeah, to yeah. equip uh, yeah. you all, so, yeah.
0: and that's awesome. Such a good foundation to have. Yeah. Not everyone is lucky to have mm-hmm. that. But we talked about more about the gender roles that you mentioned briefly, mm. but also about technical education, because mm. I feel like those are becoming less and less favorable, um, but we'll dive into that a little later. Mm-hmm. But um, another thing is I started schooling in Sierra Leone and then transitioned to the U.S. where I completed middle and high school and then later college. You've attended various institutions and participated in learning opportunities in various parts of the world, Sierra Leone, United States, etc. But what was it like going to school in Sierra Leone versus the U.S.?
1: Oh (laughs) it's (laughs) night and day.
0: (laughs) Night and day. Very so after high
1: school, after technical institute, my first major school was the Bible School Mm. in Portloco. One year intensive Bible training. Yeah. Uh, That was mainly memorize, read and then sit exam and not much uh, deep learning, to say writing papers. (laughs) Yeah. But when I left there, I came to Sierra Leone Bible College. We had a library. Uh-huh. I mean, there were no computers for students. No student had computer. We would go to the secretary, uh, Mrs. Coca, and have her give us one typewriter, those of us who could type, uh-huh. and do our term papers. Wow. There were no computers. We had a library. We had books, not adequate but there are no computers. You can't Google anything. Diff, right? We were
0: just talking about Google the yeah.
1: other day. No, no, you, you couldn't. And then when I went to Liberia, it was a little bit more. In fact, my first time paper, I typed in Monrovia, the Liberia Baptist Theological Seminary. I it was an electric typewriter. Mm. Uh, the friend of my two older brothers, Billy and Jabez, our Reverend Sam Cabo. we stayed with him for one week, and then we found our own place. And he gave me his electric typewriter, say, Tom, you can type your papers. <sighs> and so that's how I used to type papers for other yes. students. Then I came to America. You had a well equipped library, you, had, you had librarians, and you have computers
0: everywhere. Desktop and laptops. Yeah, and-
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I came to seminary, I got a laptop of my own. So if I didn't go to the library, I would sit at home. And do my work.
0: Advanced. Advanced. <laughs> it was advanced.
1: I mean, it, it, everything was at the tip of your finger.
0: Yeah.
1: Unlike Sierra Leone, no. And then, of course, the professors at seminary were well qualified, renowned theologians and counselors yeah. were our professors. One of them is the world's best New Testament professor, right. Doctor Craig Blomberg. But so there, there's huge difference. Huge difference. I mean. Student life in Sierra Leone was mainly very hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. you struggle, of course we lived as students in the Bible college, we lived in the dorms on campus, but after school, we had to go across the swamp and go find firewood. So we used canoes to go bring firewood so that our wives can cook. We didn't have money to buy. So we had to go and fetch the firewood. So
0: you had to balance your school life oh, and your yes. home life. Yeah.
1: And... Yeah. Unlike America, when we came, I mean, all you did was
0: turn on had, a stove. Yeah, turn on the <laughs> stove.
1: There constant electricity. No blackouts. Yeah. Yeah. And you had a car, so you can go shopping and take your family out. Yeah. So it, there was a huge difference.
0: But yeah. would you say that it? it kind Of gave you more opportunities to learn and it gave oh, you more yes. opportunities. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean,
1: studying in America exposed me to many things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. helped develop my own skills
0: for and learning. And not only were, your, were our minds expanded, I think one of the things I found interesting is teachers and professors, they accepted you to challenge them. They, mm-hmm. they encouraged you. Oh, it. yeah, not in, in Sierra, Sierra Leone, Leone. you, no, you, I mean, the yeah. teacher knows it all, yeah. and you can't tell. You just listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just listen you just take and his... don't
1: challenge the teacher. No, and when you, you do,
0: know? you get in trouble. And
1: then you call every teacher Mr. or Miss. Yes. You know, yes. you don't call them by their first name. Yeah. That was a struggle for me when I came to America, too, you know. That was a struggle. Yeah, hear these renowned professors, and they just want you to call their bill,
0: especially somebody who's yeah. like is a well renowned, yeah. yeah, New Testament. Yeah, yeah. in, in Sierra Leone, the titles just, alone, oh, you cannot yeah. forget it. Yeah, you can't call, you can't omit it.
1: No, Dr. This, Dr. That, no, Reverend get, This, yeah, you know, the titles, was, I think, in are in, uh, in Africa.
0: I think because well people suffer for school everywhere, but I and more so in Sierra Leone, people yeah. will remind you of yeah. how much they Yeah, <laughs> how much they've suffered for their titles. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I I find that very fa- I found it interesting and fascinating because moving I, I quickly adapted because I was younger. But yeah. like we talked about the other day, you were set in your ways and you yeah. had to. I mean, we were talking about you came here in two thousand and two, yeah. and it was your first time having not your first time having a laptop, but having your own personal laptop and having access to a wide range of uh, materials and resources in the library Mm -hmm. and just being having discussions with professors and meeting people from all different parts of the world. So um, what a great opportunity. Yeah. Um, Another thing that's really fundamental to learning or education is reading oh yeah um you're an avid reader and i think i think that's a trait i developed from you Mm. and you talk about your dad encouraging you to read the newspaper as a young boy and i remember you doing the same for me i mean there was always a dictionary encyclopedia um the latest year of guinea's book of world records (laughs) a game of scrabble at our house it was always that and every holiday i recall having to read books like tom sawyer who moved my cheese um, and write reports for you and present them to you. And even now as an adult, you regularly give me books for birthdays, Christmas, etc. So to me, reading is fundamental for learning. Mm-hmm. Where did you get your love for books?
1: My love for books, first in the primary school there in Jama. Hmm. uh You know, one of the things that Mr. Commander helped us to really develop is our reading wow. and pronunciation. He was Amazing. very strict on that. Yeah. I mean, handwriting, we had another teacher, Teacher Gangla, who was my Class 2 teacher, but Mr. Kamanda really stressed that phonetics. Yes. So, in fact, when I came to Taiwan Secondary School, I say, from one student, I was immediately involved in the Literary and Debating Society program. Mm-hmm. Where we have come the whole school assembles and then you debate issues, the yeah. topic, the pros and the cons, <laughs> you know. So that foundation was first laid in my elementary school. Wow! And then, of course, when I came to Freetown, my dad, he, he would give us newspapers to read and he would help us to listen to the news and find there was no TV in our home, but there's radio. And uh, he will encourage us to read the newspapers and find out what was going on. And give us weekend quizzes for biscuits or something <laughs> else. But it was those times that I developed my hunger for reading. Mm-hmm. And when I became an adult, I also took the habit of buying a newspaper every week. You know, when I was working in the FSL, I had three specific newspapers that were brought to my office. Yep, I and remember I, paid, I paid the guy, you know, and sometimes I'll bring them home. Yeah, I remember but you bringing them and home. And up to today, I not only read, but I also listen to the news. That expands my horizon, and it keeps my prayer life focused. Yeah. So I'm able to know, oh, there was flooding in Japan today. I can pray this week for the people of Japan. Mm-hmm. So home, and then of course myself when I grew up, and developed.
0: And you just took that up. Yeah, I took it up, yeah. Um, research has shown the importance of Developing like the foundational learning and foundation those early years, especially from zero to five, mm-hmm. but primary school specifically, mm-hmm. how important it is to for kids to get that foundation. You talk about phonics. Um, I joke with kids all the time about the alphabets and the sound. Like mm. each letter makes a sound, and those yep. sounds are important in forming words. Yep. And the moment you you don't learn that from an early age, it sets you up for just a backlog of learning yeah, yep. and having sure to play does. catch up so it, sure it is it's very 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 important so yeah. why do you believe books are important and what role do books play in learning
1: oh books are important because they expand your knowledge mm-hmm. and they, they expose you to new ideas yep. i mean the more books you read the better you are and grounded you are your vocabulary expands you know our yeah. president 40 feet president has not read much, so somebody joked the other day that he's only got 50 words in his vocabulary <laughs> <laughs> because he keeps repeating the same things <laughs> over and over. So, no, books are important. Yes, Read, 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 read.
0: I agree. Yep. I agree. Dr. Yep. Sue said, the more that you read, the more that you'll know. And the more that you know, the more places you'll it's go. Exactly. Something along those lines. Yep. But it's, it's very, very true. Yep. Um, and I am a fan of books, and I love books. Uh, we'll talk more about that. But another thing I want to touch into, which you mentioned when you were talking about the typewriter and women mm-hmm. being the typist in that time, mm-hmm. but it's now 2023 and <laughs> girls' rights is still a challenge. We're still yeah. fighting for girls, women to have right in many parts of the world. Um, yeah. You have four daughters, you have four girls, and there was no doubt that education was key. Uh, you hear stories about girls going, giving up um, into early marriages not Mm -hmm. allowed to attend school or being neglected simply because they are girl yeah i mean even at the church level you and i were talking about it and you mentioned that women are still not allowed to serve on the highest level at some denominations yeah
1: some denominations yeah
0: and you have never wrong you have never subscribed to any of this thought or notion or conformed to societal gender roles yeah instead you have continued to equip and empower us And give us the confidence to embrace who we are. Thank you for that. But why is it that you never subscribe to any of these notions or thoughts?
1: Well, because let me start with the family. When uh, Mm -hmm. I was in Sierra Leone and I had three girls, then uh, we got the opportunity to adopt another child, and many people, oh, Pastor, you should adopt a son, not a girl. (laughs) You have three already, get a son. I said, why? Nobody gives me any satisfactory answer. Mm. The reason I don't subscribe to putting women down is because every one of us as human beings are important to God. Mm. And being a pastor, I don't like denominations that put women down and say, no, you cannot lead. No, everybody should be given the opportunity to display their talents and their skills at any level. Yeah. within the church or whatever government you know so i don't subscribe to that and it's because the importance of everyone in the world yeah. we're all god creatures and given the talents and skills given the opportunity each one of us can excel mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. regardless of what gender you are
0: yeah. yeah i i mean i thank you for that i've never once questioned my ability to do something or to go for something yep. because I'm a girl. I don't yep. think that was ever instilled in me. I never even. I don't even think about it. It's not no. even a thought. No. Um. And I thank you for for that and instilling that in me and my sisters. But did you ever witness this as a child growing up? Did you ever witness girls being treated less than or oh, less yeah. important? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. in
1: Sierra Leone, you see that that is prevalent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You see that all the time. Yeah. In fact, the. The community I grew up in—they uh, are different because they gave women. Women can become chiefs. Mm. Yeah, they—you know, they, they they can become. But when I went to serve in the north, that's where I saw the discrepancy. Mm-hmm. No woman becomes chief in the north uh, because you know they put them, suppressed them so much that they can only come to so many so much level yeah you're yeah. limited yeah they're limited yeah. in how in, in their potential so yeah but it's prevalent there it's prevalent in fact one of the things i tell people you know when i argue for women to be given i say look i have four daughters and one adopted daughter five i say i want them to have as much opportunity and to excel in whatever field. Mm-hmm. So when I hear people say, "Oh, women should not do this," I say that's nonsense.
0: You know, <laughs> it is <because> nonsense. <laughs> I have my
1: girls, and I want them to go as mm-hmm. high as the mm-hmm. Lord wants them to.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and why not? Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> it still appalls me that we're in 2023 and we're still. Fine. I mean, it just shows you the world that we're in and the yeah. inequality that us humans have created because God didn't create us to be less than or to be underneath. So, but um, I appreciate you and everyone else that's fighting for girls' right and fighting for women's right. Um, And I pray that and I hope that one day we can, it wouldn't be a topic of discussion, but we're far from that. Um, Daddy, you have always supported my sisters and I in almost everything that we do. And your only expectation of us was really to love God and do what we love. Mm -hmm. Most parents have expectations of their kids to be X, Y, Z whatever it is, um, your dad wasn't initially pleased with your decision to become a pastor. Yeah. And it wasn't because he wasn't a man of faith, but it was simply just financial. Economical, e- yeah. economical. It economical, what made sense. Um, but yeah. almost every child gets asked this question when you're little. What do you want to be when you grow up? I am not particularly a fan of this question because it, it gives me the sense that when you're a kid, you're not something and you yeah. have to wait until you become an adult to become yeah. this somebody Mm. and it so it I don't know for some reason I I don't like asking kids that I mean when I was younger I remember wanting to be a teacher and then I was on my way to becoming a medical doctor and now well I would consider myself an educationist Mm. and through all of it you've been there supporting me without many questions i mean i remember when i came and told you i wasn't going to medical school i don't even know what you said or what (laughs) but i was not i don't you weren't people like was he mad were your parents i was like i don't know i just told them and that was that yeah so why did you support us in everything that we do and didn't have this expectation of us
1: because one i wanted not to be like the way my dad was to me Mm. you know you i have you guys Mm. and i know god gave you and there's a reason why he made you who you are. Mm-hmm. I did not want to micromanage you in any way because if I say, you be this, and this is a career that down the road, you are not satisfied, you only do it to please me, mm-hmm. then I'm not being helpful. Mm-hmm. So I let every one of you, I didn't force even Christianity on you. you did? Yes. Yeah, I didn't yeah. force you to sing in the church or be in this. No. Mm. I let you guys take the path God is directing you to go. I had that experience and I didn't want to repeat it to my own children. No. So that is one.
0: Thank you. you. Know? <laughs> I wanted
1: you to be who you are and you can be proud of who you are and we can be proud of who you become. Yeah. Whether you become you know not like my one of my young uh, elder brothers, they ask him what do you want to become <laughs> He said he just wanted to be an apprentice, just <laughs> jumping on the vehicles like he, he looked at that and said. But yeah, for me growing up, uh, the first instinct or the first clue that somebody gave to me as to what I've become was mm-hmm. when I read uh, a church there in Jama, Pastor P. P. Pierre uh, had me, because of I was so smart in school, so, one Christmas, he asked me to read the Mende Bible,
0: wow.
1: the Christmas story. And this was something, I mean, Christmas, the church is full. Yeah, in Jama- that's
0: where most people go yeah, to church. There are people <laughs> that have
1: come for holidays mm-hmm. from free time, all over the country. Mm-hmm. So, I stood there and read that story, Luke chapter 2, in Mende. Wow. You know, class 5. And uh, after that, Pastor Pierre commented, there goes a pastor. Hmm. So from that point on, he began to help me read scripture lessons yeah. in English at church, regular service. And then when I came to Tayama, I was also involved. He was the same pastor that I met in Tayama. Oh. So as a form one student, I was made Sunday school secretary. You know, I'll go around the Sunday school, do all the summary of each class. And then come stand before the church, church of seven, eight hundred people. Here's this young kid, and I will read the the summary. You just read the summary. Yeah, wow. So, so from that early stage, uh, working as a Christian worker was not uh, something that was far away.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: when I finished high school and technical institute, the first job I got was to be an assistant in the book Christian book sales van. (laughs) <laughs> and that's from there on, It just be, things began the to fall to in place. To, yeah. So being a pastor and a teacher are things that came to me, you know, God's calling, but also mm. there was a natural trend, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Before that, did you have any aspirations as a kid? Was there something no, you wanted to no, be? No, nobody
1: asked you that. That's when good. My dad, <laughs> when my dad, after high school, he began to help me learn a typewriter, this idea was so we can work in an office, you know. But, yeah, no, you didn't have...
0: So they didn't ask those questions when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be when you no, grow up? No, Okay, that's well, good. Yeah. I don't know how we got to that point yeah. now. Yeah, but, um, But, because you don't really know what you yeah, want I mean, to yeah. become. Yeah, people
1: ask 12-year-old kids, yeah, what? You it's know. like, how
0: there do you... There's still life ahead exactly. of me. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> how do leave you... Let me live where I am now. Even formulate, yeah. How, yeah. What, how do you know what you're going to become when so yeah. much no, is unknown? no, that, that is... It, That's crazy. I, it is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so don't ask your kids what they want to become because nobody knows what yep. they're going to become. Yep. Um, so you've talked about Teacher Kamanda. Mm. And I've had a teacher, Miss Lance, in high school that played a, a very important role in my life and left an impact, I think, most importantly. Um, but the best teachers are those who show you where to look but don't tell you what to see. Mm. I would say you've always been my first teacher. You said the parents mm-hmm. are first teacher. I would say that you are. Um, as early as I can remember, I would come to you with tons of questions. I still do about everything. Um, and you, more than anything, I, I I love to learn. And I think that's why I came to you with these questions. And no matter what my questions were, you provided a safe space for me to ask. And when necessary, you challenged me to search for answers on my own. Mm-hmm. Beyond the home, you have actually taught others in other capacities. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself a teacher? What was that experience like? Yeah.
1: Well, I think people have said, I've had comments, both churches, I've pastored leadership groups, I've led that I teach well. Yeah, so I, I consider myself, yes, it's a God-given gift because like the people who have taught me in life, they, they don't just want to stand there and speak. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure I understand what they are saying. And so when I stand in the pulpit, When I stand in a Bible study or in a Sunday school, I don't just want to speak, I want to provide a place where the person can say, oh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh, they challenge to go read more, and if they come back and ask, oh, you said that, I read it, and now I understand. Yeah. So teaching, you know, my life verse uh, from Ezra, Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, that is my goal. Wherever I go, especially now that I have become pastor and teach the Bible, I'm not interested in arguing about (laughs) doctrines or anything, you know, you give me a topic, I want to teach it well and help others to understand. Yeah. So teaching is very important. Mm -hmm. My experience has been that people have commented that I teach well, so I accept that for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah.
0: I mean, and teachers, their roles are so important and and in shaping young minds and in really empowering and instilling. you got your confidence. you Mm -hmm. got a lot of who you are. You credit to teacher Kamanda. How important do you think are teachers' role in the lives of young minds? They're
1: very important because apart from the parents, the next person the child meets is the school teacher. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have them for eight hours in a day. And whatever they teach them mm-hmm. or however they interact with them impact their lives sometimes even beyond mm-hmm. the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, teacher commander, one of the things I give credit to him for was the phonetics. Yeah. I mean, back then in Jama, not very many people taught about no. learning <laughs> new phonetics. And phonetics not just in English, but in Mandé. Yeah. Uh, I remember when he told us when he was teaching us how to write question mark and he would say Ganu by Becky. <laughs> so that is just to demonstrate That's how you would learn he, the yeah, question yeah, mark. Yeah. So oh. if you want to write a question mark as class four pupil you know that it goes this way and this way and there's a dot. Don't leave that dot <laughs> yeah. But Otherwise, he was taught in Mende. Yeah, yeah. He was taught in Mende. Wow. You know, he taught us that. So teachers play significant role in people's lives and influencing their lives beyond the classroom in many many ways. I
0: agree.
1: I I just started reading uh, C.S. Lewis's background. I've read his theological stories but this book that somebody pastor gave me for farewell uh, is talking about C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is one of the classical uh, theologians Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. the 20th century and so he this person who wrote this book lived with him for 10 years as a kid. Ah. And he writes C.S. Lewis's life from somebody that is not the theologian, right. not Hopefully the ex- teacher, personally. just experience. personally. Yeah. And that is something that we all need. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, no, shout out to teachers. And teachers oh, yes. don't get enough credit. I mm. mean, the, the role of a teacher... And the work that you do is so immense, and mm. we want to say thank you to you. And keep on, just keep on going, because yeah. you make a difference. And it might not happen right there in the classroom, but you leave an impact even beyond the classroom. Yeah. So, um, we've you've tapped a lot into language, and language mm. is crucial to understanding. I believe um, recently I've done a lot of work in with like language and reading. And I one of, my, one of the questions I ask is, what language do you learn to talk in or speak in?
1: Well, I was born in a home where Mende yeah. but mostly Creole, the lingua franca in Sierra Leone. Oh, okay. it's when I went to Jama, when I went to live with my aunt, predominantly Mende. So that was the second important language I started to learn. That you started to learn. Yes yeah. And then of course I went to work in the north, that is Timini, I used to I used to teach in Timini. When I was in Puloko wow. for the three years I was there. But after I left, I came to Freetown and then to Matru, I began to forget. Yeah. Because you don't have people to communicate with. It's one of day.
0: those skills where if you don't use it, yeah. you forget you it. You lose it, yeah. yeah.
1: But in Sierra Leone, at least I will speak Mende fluently and Creole, read and write. Mm-hmm. I will hear Timini more. I, I can sit in a group where people are talking Timini. And I don't understand what they are saying.
0: You'll be able to make yeah. I'll be able
1: to make up what they are saying. Yeah. So thank God for those three years I spent in Polaka. Yeah. Yeah, in the north.
0: I mean, I was born in Liberia. And when I was two years old, we moved back to Sierra Leone, <laughs> Joui. So you can continue school at Bible College. Yeah. You wrote in your book, my daughters Justina and Janet continued their elementary education at the Hon. Hunting Dawn Elementary School. Mm-hmm. My two-year-old Juliet, myself, me, was <laughs> in a confused stage of her language skills. Yeah. She could only speak Liberian pidgin English while all her friends only spoke Creole. Yeah. She quickly forgot her Liberian pidgin English and now fluent in Creole. Yes. Um, because of my work and one of the question, oh, I mentioned this earlier, one of the questions I asked is like, what language do you speak in? It's because I don't even remember this. I don't remember speaking Liberian, <laughs> yeah. but it's, um, it's one of those instances where language makes a difference. Sure and does. because of my age, I quickly learned the language of my new environment. Mm-hmm. Similar to you, you didn't speak, um, in Creole or in English. You, you were learning Mende. I mean, but you speak English and Creole alongside those two. Yeah. I believe that language is crucial for understanding. Yeah. Um, you have worked in several projects and incorporate that incorporate language, one of which you mentioned in the previous episode was the Jesus film you worked on in Mende. Mm-hmm. And you and I have worked on, and will continue to work on by the grace of God, translating and narrating children's book into Creole mm-hmm. for Auntie Jojo's library. Mm-hmm. This has meant so much to me, and I hope that it has for you. Oh, but yeah. I've also seen oh, the yeah. impact. yeah. I've it's... also seen the impact on um, the children that I work with. Mm-hmm. We still are lagging on providing access to education for all, but yeah. as a collective, we are now more conscious of the importance of language, especially mother tongue language, yes. to learning and development, yes. and more effort to being made to ensure the facilitation and to promote access to learning that is reflective of our unique tongues and abilities. Mm-hmm. So, how many languages do you speak?
1: Uh, well, you know, Mende fluently, Creole, English, mm-hmm. and I hear more French than speak it. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, good. Uh, yeah, Timini back in Sierra Leone, yeah, I hear a few words from local. Loko is similar to Mende yeah. in Sierra Leone, but, uh, and then I lived in Kono for three years, I also picked up a lot of a the bit, Yeah, one of my bosses, uh, Mr. Foday, I used to speak some way out of the way Kono, and uh, he would laugh, <laughs> but, uh, he had the idea that, oh, you know, he the, I told like, him, yeah, I live in Kono for three years. <laughs> you know, if I go to kwedu town today, I will say hello. I will say thank you.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's one yeah. thing I, I know yeah. of you is everywhere we go, you yeah. can at least greet in the language, yes. in That's the local a, language. Because
1: of my travels over the, you know, years in ministry, I have always challenged myself. Wherever I go, the first thing I want to know is hello. Mm-hmm. Thank you and goodbye and so everywhere all the 19 countries have gone I've tried that yeah and I've witnessed you do it today you have the app on your phone oh yes that you can you know (laughs) speak and we have come a long way with language and I'm so happy and I'm so glad
0: that people are incorporated into everything I mean you look at the Bible app now you can read it and hear it in so many different languages because
1: You know the the encouragement and the the thirst it gives to somebody when they hear their own native language spoken to them, Mm -hmm. it just makes them feel important. And relatable. It just makes them feel accepted. Yeah. You know. So that is also the reason. The more reason where governments and countries Mm -hmm. should provide the technical, you know, resources. To make the children come out from school knowing their languages. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, I get mad when I listen to people speak in press conferences in Sierra Leone. They're talking to the lower mm. common people and they're speaking all these English vocabulary. Yeah. And no I said, one can no understand. wonder the people don't get what you're saying. <laughs> because you're speaking Creole, but 92 percent of it is english they
0: say english is our yeah. language of instruction yeah Maybe that's what i mean yeah.
1: but the, you know there are many things like the public notices keep them in creole yeah one of the things our neighboring countries ghana and nigeria if you open a, a ghanaian tv today they will speak the common fanti, mm-hmm. not english
0: and they go back yeah. and forth, this exchange. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's okay to learn new languages yeah. and to yeah. um, expand your yeah. learning. But If you hear
1: Nigerians speak in their common environment, they're speaking their pidgin they English. Are. They are. Yeah, not are. book English. You know, <laughs> that's English. what we should do in Sierra Leone. And we admire them. We, we play their movies day and night yeah. in Sierra Leone, mm-hmm. but uh, we have no opportunity, you know. And when I was growing up, they read the news in Creole, Mende. Timini, and Limba. Wow. Every day, SLBS.
0: No S- English?
1: No. They, I mean, they read the evening news probably in English, but it was mainly Mende, Timini, Limba, and Creole. Yeah. All four major languages, the news were read. And they had programs in during the languages. week. So Today.
0: Everything is English. We've, we've drifted away from that. Yeah. We I mean no it, it just feels like everyone wants to embrace and take on English because it's No. It's I this mean, proper language. Yeah.
1: <laughs> let's get our people. That's why it's when ridiculous. I preach in churches in Sierra Leone, mm-hmm. if I go up country, I talk Mende. Mm-hmm.
0: Because if you yeah. want someone to understand, you
1: speak the heart of the language yes. you understand.
0: Yep. Yeah. You know? I agree. But, I agree. Uh, we we need to. We
1: need to there's a work push hard. there's
0: a push towards I mean yeah, I think in Sierra Leone there was policy that was being going that's going on about local language and instruction to do- bring in learning materials and instructions yeah. in the local language because you see the further you move from the city Freetown the further away you move away from it you see that no one really yeah.
1: but the children in Leslie they go don't to, even speak go to, go to the no. village behind Kamakwe. yeah the teacher will come and speak English but when they go home
0: nobody speaks English yeah. Don't even go far to Kamakwe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even Everybody in free time.
1: Everybody in their community, in their village, just yeah. speaks Limba. Mm-hmm. So why don't you teach that kid so that tomorrow he can be somebody
0: in his community? Or the idea of bilingual, like being yeah. having multiple languages. You yeah. grew up speaking Creole. You yeah. grew up speaking Mende and learning yeah. Mende, learning to read and learning yeah. to write in Mende. Yeah. Um, and look at how far that has gotten you and how oh, much... Yeah how much it's impacted you in your life really. and in your in your really. ministry yeah and how much how able you are to touch lives because you can speak the language of the people yeah. so i think it's important language so everyone that's put in efforts towards um bringing language and that's why i love um unite for literacy so much and the work that we're doing with auntie jojo's libraries because when i went to sierra leone and was reading the books i could see that there was a disconnect The kids, I mean, we were reading the book and it was fine, but they weren't understanding what Mm -mm. they were reading or Mm -mm. couldn't relate to it. I mean, they laughed at the English words. And then, so then I was like, wait a minute. Every day you speak Creole and everywhere you go, you're speaking Creole. Why can't you have books? And that's what started the efforts into translating and narrating. And thank you for helping me with that. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. It's, it's made an impact for sure. It sure does. So um, we were talking earlier, you talked about you went to a technical school after secondary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are talking about the transformation of education, both in Sierra Leone and in the world. We now have access to information that is readily available and at the touch of a button. However, no matter how much we evolve in our education system, there's still need for non-formal in technical education, education Mm -hmm. that occurs outside the formal school system designed Mm -hmm. to improve a range of skills and competencies outside the formal or traditional educational curriculum. What can we do to encourage this route and promote technical learning?
1: Well, we need to put equal emphasis Mm. on vocational training. I mean, when I was growing up, Technical Institute was one place where we went. The YWCA was very, very, very strong in helping young ladies. Yeah. You know, some of them came out to be hotel managers or chefs in, in schools. Yeah. You go to America, the same thing. The middleman training in any country helps build a strong economy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not everybody in America that goes to be a professor. Mm-hmm. But you have the people in the trades, yeah. you know, the plumbers, yeah. the carpenters, the electricians. Yep. They, uh, there's every day in the house, there's plumbing work to be done. Mm-hmm. There's electricity to be fixed. Mm-hmm. There's yard to be mowed. Yeah. So if we don't develop these things and create the resources and avenues for them to be utilized, our societies are dead.
0: We're doing a in Sierra
1: yeah. Leone, everybody wants to go to Njala University of mm-hmm. Obey College. Mm-hmm. But when they come out, They are very minimal offices. (laughs) Yeah, there are are no opportunities for them. But go down to Dovecourt, the ladies who sell there every day, they may not know how to read and write, but they are rich. Mm -hmm. They are able to use those skills to generate income to pay for their children to send them to Fulbe College. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we should be able to encourage and provide those avenues. for people, not just, it's not everyone that is born to go to, you know, July University. You know, some people need just to get that middle manpower man training yeah. and then go off Yeah. and establish their own workshops, mm-hmm. train other young men and women,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And it's so. sad because in the Western world, like you mentioned, these occupations are, are favorable like oh, a yeah. carpenter uh, an electrician, they even make more money sometimes yeah, of by going to these technical yeah. trades. So yes, you so
1: go to college in America you come out with 30,000 loan uh, student And loan, it takes you right? forever
0: to find a job. Yeah.
1: And then you go do your masters you come out with another 10 or 15 thousand. Mm-hmm. So that's 45,000. That guy who has gone to uh, Emily Griffith uh-huh. comes out he maybe not even have a loan yeah. but goes out and becomes a cook in a hotel after 10 years he or she gets promoted to be a chef yeah he's earning money not yeah. worried about student loan mm. and you who have gone to university you have your degree not yeah. much work but you still have to pay student loan yeah
0: you yeah know? absolutely. Yeah. So, it just it's sad because we we look up so much to the western world and they're doing a phenomenal job at, at just encouraging and empowering people to take different routes. Yeah. But then you go to Africa uh-uh. or the third world and people are dying to <laughs> to go to a
1: university. Yeah. Even
0: if they don't have the money to, they don't yeah. have the means to, yeah. they will do everything in their power just so they can have a college degree. And like you said, there's not enough jobs for no. people with those college degrees. No. They're not they're not much opportunities. When yeah. I was growing up, I remember like there were carpenters, there were farmers. Now you see people moving away from that. Yeah,
1: everybody's coming down to the city
0: to go to college, and, and they come and go to
1: college. They come out; they don't have, they take Okada and yeah. Right. And you're, you I
0: know? mean, it's it's yeah. frowned upon. You're looked down if you yeah. don't have a college degree. That's yeah. how bad it's gotten. And mm-hmm. we're not empowering these young people who have talent, who have skills, yeah. and we're not encouraging and empowering that here oh. in America. They, I mean, they have STEM programs where you can. Kids that build small things from that early on, they start encouraging them. They start empowering them. Yeah. So it's quite unfortunate, and I hope that we can turn that around because there's well, so I much. There's so, so I mean, much. We've got a long ways to go. We do. We do. We Especially where, where we're from. We. I mean, yeah. it's just a mentality shift. If we can change this idea of yeah. not. You don't. Not everyone needs a college degree. It's nice. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. But even with college degree, it's hard. You graduated from Denver Seminary, and you were done, and you found you had a hard time finding a job. Yep, and had to go yeah. work at as um, security. At security, yeah, in a hotel. So you know, imagine if why you, did
1: I waste three years? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: a security job you
0: can do anywhere, and you got promoted yeah. while doing yeah. that. Yeah, so it yeah. It, it just is. We need more options. We need more people to yeah. encourage young people to do to do just pick up things and do. Um, so we could go on and on. Education intersects with all kinds of areas and it impact our lives in so many ways and there's so much we can talk about but before we go to last words of wisdom I want to do some rapid questions okay um so these are questions that you can just answer quick at the tip of your um thought so education is
1: opportunity to grow Mm -hmm.
0: favorite subject in school
1: uh bk bible knowledge oh and english
0: and english Mm -hmm. favorite teacher
1: mr commander
0: (laughs) Favorite school activity?
1: Uh, soccer. soccer. Football. Football. Yep.
0: football. football. Yeah, football. And what house were you in when you were growing up?
1: Uh, we were in Yellow House in Form 1. Yeah, uh, Anthony. It was called Anthony House, yeah. the founding principal of the school. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And yeah. today, I am grateful for? I'm grateful for the
1: men and women who put me under their arms to teach me.
0: All right, any last words of wisdom regarding education and learning?
1: Well I, like I told I told you guys when you're growing up, when you go to school, not everyone is supposed to get A plus or you know a minus. Go there learn. you might come out with a C. that's okay. If you don't have A plus don't think you're stupid. It's just that maybe your brain is not wired to be an A-plus student. Yeah. Try as much as you can, but always do well. Don't cheat to get an A-plus just for the name of A-plus. Mm. So whoever you are, when you go to school, college, or you know seminary, just go to learn and do your best. Mm. And come out, whatever grade you come out with, go out and work and make sure you... You know, use what you have learned.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And as always, thank you for listening. This is Sundays with Sandema. Until next time, peace out.
1: God bless you all. Thank you. Amen. Thank you.